Well, friends, today I bring you good news. Our King has come. King Jesus, the one who mislaid his throne on high, who would make lower than the angels to adopt a child's cry. King Jesus, the one who shared in our humanity, who through signs and wonders showcased his divinity. King Jesus, the one who makes the leper clean, who heals the blind that they may see. King Jesus, the one who is making all things new, who would pay sin's price for me and for you. King Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Our King has come. And now that such a year as 2020 is officially over, we should rejoice all the more that the Incarnation happened. For it is in the Incarnation where God is made tangible once again. This word tangible, uh, it's something that is perceptible by touch. Something that is real, something that's visible, it's concrete. Do you typically view God in this way? When you endure difficulty, do you feel that God is close? And when everything in your world is shifting and there becomes no sense of normalcy, do you feel that God is in your reach? Because after looking back on such a crazy year, I find myself questioning over and over, is God really present in all the noise? And maybe you have found yourself saying something similar. It's pivotal in these moments, in these moments of doubt, to remind ourselves to lean into his word and to speak truth into our lives. And so, for the next few weeks, we are starting a new series entitled Telling What We Know. We will be looking at key biblical narratives that shape our faith, as well as how these narratives help us live life as devoted followers of King Jesus. God as creator is where we will be focusing this morning. And I pray that by the end of our time together, that we will become more aware of God's creative process, giving us a clearer picture of the good, the true, and the beautiful in our everyday lives. And so let's start in the beginning. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, open it up to page one. You'll find yourself in the book of Genesis, where we begin with the creation of the world. Chapter one, verse one. In the beginning, God created. Okay, let's stop there. The very first thing that we read in scripture is that our God is an artist and a very good one at that. Just look at the mess that he has to work with. We keep reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, it was without void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, there are a lot of crafty people out there, but who do you know who can combine a black canvas, a disoriented blob, and water to create something that will last indefinitely? This artistry alone is worthy of our reverence. 
but God did not seem to do this alone. No, we see the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the waters. And the reason for the Spirit's presence, it's, it's not stated in Genesis, but Jesus would later say that the Spirit alone gives eternal life. John 6, 63. Artistic collaboration is now taking place within the Godhead as the Spirit breathes life into creation, sustaining and protecting it like an eagle hovering over its young in the nest. Deuteronomy 32, 11. And so the truth about creation continues to unfold as our cre creator adds his finer details. We see in verse three that God speaks light into his canvas, separating it from the darkness. He then voices the expanse in the midst of the waters, calling the expanse heaven. He then verbally paints the dry ground and vegetation among the seas and proclaims the sun, the moon, and the stars part of the heavens, separating the day from the night, providing signs for the seasons and for the days and for the years. God then said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And after each stroke of the brush, he assures us that these things are good. But God is not finished. His finishing touch is about to take place, and he declares it very good. Let's jump over to verse 26. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Did you catch that? The collaborative effort continues as each member of the Trinity contributes to the creation of man and woman. And we see this in the next chapter as the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, which is who? Well, maybe remember from John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. It's Jesus. And he is working with the Father to create Nefesh Kaya, a living creature where the Spirit of God dwells. 1 Corinthians 3.16 But the three are still not finished. No, we see in chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and he closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. Not only did God create a semblance of himself to collaborate within Adam, he took from that which he created after craft and crafted Eve someone to help Adam in continued creation. Crazy. <laughs> and God blessed them as he did all other living creatures, commanding them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But he provided a special blessing 
for us as image bearers to subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish and of the sea and of the birds and of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. He did all these things in six days. And on the seventh day, God rested. God finishes his magnum opus, his best work yet. And then he calls us to be co-creators with him. He entrusts it all to us, this incredible work of art. And what do we do? We quickly mess it up. We allowed the creation to distract us from the creator. It was our selfish desire to have our eyes opened in a way that God never intended. We took from the tree, creating chaos once again. Guys, this is why we can't have nice things. Lucky for us, God speaks order into chaos. In the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, one commentator writes, God brings order out of chaos, but the biblical account is totally free of any sense of threat or hostility in the chaos that God molds. The emphasis throughout the Bible is that God controls the forces that seek to lead to dissolution rather than wholeness in the world. God continues to create as a means of protecting us. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, no, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Ephesians 6.12 And when we partner with God as co-creators, we help what is good, true, and beautiful overshadow the evil that exists in our world today. And when all we see is what is good, true, and beautiful, we can't help but praise him for all that he has done and that all he continues to do. One of my favorite books is Art in the Bible by Francis Schaeffer. It's a tiny little book. Most could probably read it in an afternoon, but it provides great insight into the artistry of God throughout the Bible. So there's a section of the book where Schaefer brings us to Mount Sinai, where God doesn't just give Moses the Ten Commandments, but, quote, commands Moses to fashion a tabernacle, a tabernacle in a way in which would involve almost every form of representational art that men have ever known, end quote. Every form of representational art that men have ever known. So yeah, let's look at it ourselves. We turn to Exodus 25. We begin in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, goat's hair, tan ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood, oil from the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all of its furniture, so you shall make it. 
In this scenario, God is the lead architect. The architect who lays out the floor plan for Moses and asks Moses to find those who will contribute their resources and talents. All involved are now co-creators in the process of the tabernacle. Just by offering what our heart moves us to contribute, we are joining in God's creative process. Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Matthew 6.21 And if you think about it, all we are really doing is just giving back to him what he already entrusted to us. So simply put, co-creation is an act of worship. And this act of worship continues with the creation of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. This is a place where God promises to meet with his people. Exodus 25, verse 21. And you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark. And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. There, I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. God wants to have a close relationship with us. He longs to be with his people, and he wants his people to long to be with him. Our lead minister, Troy Nelson, he described it this way a few weeks ago, that God wants to tabernacle. He wants to tent with us. He wants that dwelling place to look phenomenal as well. I'll refrain from reading the whole account, but if you just look at some of the finer details that God asked for in the tabernacle, uh, you'll get a better picture of this. So if we look at uh, just verses 1 through 6 of Exodus 26. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits, and the breadth of each curtain, 4 cubits. All the curtains shall be the same size. Five curtains shall be coupled to one another, and the other five curtains shall be coupled to one another. And you shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain in the first set. Likewise, you shall make loops on the edge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Fifty loops you shall make on the one curtain, and fifty loops you shall make on the edge of the curtain that is the second set. The loops shall be opposite one another. You shall make fifty clasps of gold, and couple the curtains one to the other with the clasps, so that the tabernacle may be a single whole. God partners with his artisans to bring beauty into the world as a way to turn our worship vertical. We should never become so caught up in the creation that we forget about the one who made the creation possible. In bearing the image of God, we become co-creators with him. One commentator writes, creation doesn't just refer to the act by which God created the universe. It also refers to the product of that process. 
we are products of God's creative process. A humbling process at that. Before we begin rehearsal each week, I pray with our praise team. Father, help us get out of the way so that you may be seen. As co-creators, we should always allow the Lord to lead, asking him to help us put aside our preferences so that he becomes the object and subject of our worship. God will never stop creating. Why? Well, it's not part of his nature. And as co-creators, it's not part of ours. Have you ever said these words before? I'm just not creative. Or even worse, has somebody told you that you're not creative? You see, this is a lie that I hear repeated often, and it needs to be removed from our narratives. Because if we believe this about ourselves, we disrupt our primal connection with God. We begin to believe that we are not capable of joining God in his creative process, robbing ourselves of what only he can offer, life eternal. And this is why moving out of the Christmas season, this is why the incarnation is such a big deal. If we believe that God created a way to physically dwell among us in the person of Jesus, it literally changes everything. Mary believed, and yielding to the Holy Spirit, she watched the creative process unravel before her. Joseph believed, and yielding to the Lord, he took Mary and his wife, as his wife and he partnered with her in raising the light of the world. The disciples, they believed, leaving everything behind to follow after a man that most perceived as ludicrous. And after that man, our King Jesus, the one who lived a sinless life, who was crucified for our transgressions, who rose from the grave and three days later defeated death. This man provides a way by his Holy Spirit to join him in creating what is to come, a holy city, the new Jerusalem, a place where he will wipe away every tear, where death will be no more, a place where there will be no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. Former things will have passed, and a new canvas will be waiting to be filled. This is what God offers us through his Son by his Holy Spirit. You see, if we believe that the incarnation happened, it changes everything because it forces us to make a decision. We can either trust and obey, or we can stray away. Now today, I don't, I don't know where you're at or what you may be dealing with, but if part of your struggle is making that jump to believe, if part of your struggle is knowing how to join in God's creative process, please reach out to us. You can call the church anytime at 417-623-7312. You'll get connected with any one of our members of our staff. Uh, in the same way, you can message us on our Facebook or you can email us at connect.blendville at gmail.com. We truly want to help reconcile whatever is going on in your world. Church, our King has come and he is coming. I'll leave you with these words from Colossians 3. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives.
teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. Perform all acts of co-creation with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen.